0: Welcome to the OVC Extra Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Schwartz, Assistant Commissioner for Strategic Communications at the Ohio Valley Conference. If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find us wherever you download your podcasts with complete information at ovcsports.com podcast. Today is part two of my conversation with former OVC Commissioner Dan Beatley. If you didn't hear the first part, make sure to take time and listen to that before proceeding with this episode. We pick up our conversation as I ask him about his memories of a high-profile noon basketball pickup game that he used to participate in during his time in Nashville. Now, Dan Beebe. One of the things I want to ask you about that I thought was interesting, I know you played a lot of noon pickup basketball games. and There were some famous people that you played with, which led to you meeting people and making connections to help the OVC. So um, what kind of stories can you tell us about – those games and some of the people that played in those pickup games.
1: Yeah, that it was, that was great. Um, of course, probably the most famous of, of all of us down there was Vince Gill. Um, in fact, in, I think it was 2016, uh, Vince and I had to guard each other a few, you know, cause I'm, we're about the same size. Well, not size, I'm bigger than he is, but you know, same height, um, good, good guy. But 2016, I'm, I'm living in Kansas city and Vince is coming in there to play. I get a hold of him, I take him out to a barbecue place, and I told him, um, hey, look, Vince, um, I'm responsible for your career taking off, and I think I deserve royalty checks. Um, and he says, well, how do you, how do you figure that, Bebe? And I said, because I distinctly remember one time when I was coming through the key and I stopped for the ball and you weren't paying attention, you rammed your teeth in the back of my head. And I know for a fact, that that's when your first album took off and launched because it changed some inflection in your voice or the way you sounded or something like that. And he, of course, said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll surely send you a, a royalty check when I get back home. <laughs> so um, but yeah, we, we had some we had some great, great times, great games down there. Um, I think there was all oh, the lead singer for Sawyer Brown. Um Mark was being Mark, Mark Miller. Miller, yeah, Mark Miller, and Mark Miller tried to act like he was Magic Johnson without the skills because you know you'd cut to the basket and he'd try to throw a ball from behind his head or some damn just throw the ball straight up, Mark. I mean just you know he was he tried to be super fancy with it. Um, I think another guy that played once in a while was that Larry Stewart from Restless Heart, I believe was the band. I wasn't a big country music guy. But I gained a great appreciation for it. So, uh, so yeah, we, we had a lot of good times in the lunchtime crowd.
0: Did you ever get hurt while you were playing?
1: No, you know. <laughs> so I played football, but then I went, when I went to law school, I started playing rugby. And I was still playing in some tournaments when I was in the Ohio Valley. Um, not often. Once a year, I'd go out and play. And, um, and, and Vince, Vince accused me of playing uh, lunchtime basketball more like a rugby event than a basketball event and one time um i don't know if it's he or somebody was guarding me and there, and there was a there's a young guy that just finished playing at belmont for rick bird and he was playing with our lunch of course he was good um because he just he just finished playing they were in a Ia at the time and he was a pretty good player and somehow i upfake vince and drove around him um flying at my you know slow speed to the basket and this poor fellow decided to take a charge well i wasn't going to risk you know trying to move one way or another to, to sprain him ankles i just i just crushed him <laughs> and still because what do you you know you're not going to foul out or anything sent him reeling back to the wall on his, on his rear end sliding back there vince goes over there and he goes i can't remember the guy's name was mike i think he said mike are you nuts would you why would you ever get in front of bb when he's driving to the basket so he's going to miss the shot anyway <laughs> so
0: well i think that this the story kind of comes full circle because then when belmont joined the ovc vince would sit in the crowd and he'd yell at the officials so you know you were already uh, getting that relationship with the ovc <laughs> but before that happened so before we talk about your post ovc uh career i just want to ask you know what made the ovc special when you were there what, what you know what, what could you tell people those memories of the the people you work with, uh, the sense of community, um, whatever was surrounding the, the schools.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so there are so many things that um, were special about the Ohio Valley. I think uh, one, it was it was in some ways uh, not because people wouldn't have taken another another path, but it was more rooted in what athletics I think is is about without the all the. Uh, pressure the money, um, you know. People that that there were some people that like that were uh, passionate, obviously. But you know, in the Big Twelve. I got a call from a U.S. senator complaining about officiating. Wow. You know, we didn't have that. It was more balanced, I would say. Um, and um, the other thing is the beauty of that part of the country. I really missed. I love to drive. Driving to these to these uh, venues and to these campuses for meetings and for uh, for events and all that it was it was really um, I just got lost in the scenery of Kentucky and Tennessee and you know, southeast Missouri Illinois and so forth it was it was great thats something i I didn't anticipate missing so much as driving around that part of the country um, the people were more you know they 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 didn't have uh, didn't have to attend to the same types of pressures and and things that, and I think it just made for a more, uh, less tense time and it's kind of easy going stuff that you didn't have to be on guard, let's say, as much. The stakes were high, but not as high as you have in in the Big 12 or the Big 10. Um, And it's not that people are better or worse, it's just what you have to deal with. Um, What you have to deal with in those big, in those bigger uh conferences uh is just the intensity is a lot higher and the stakes are a lot higher i think it makes for a more you know like i said balanced way of life and balanced approach when you're working in the the ohio valley conference level um uh those other jobs can be so all-consuming because you do have politicians and big donors and when i was dealing with in the big 12 with you know all the expansion problems. Sitting in my office on a Saturday, and get a call from Boone Pickens. You know the big donor at at Oklahoma State, and him talking about having talked to the governor of Texas, and you know th- those things weren't happening <laughs> in the Ohio Valley. Um, uh, you know, at least not as much. Now there was a lot of pressure and intensity when I had to deal with you know that fight, and when I had to deal with some other things that went on, and uh, kept there were some sleepless nights. But people were grounded in a way there that because they're, they're not under that same kind of scrutiny that you have on a national level at the higher, at the big 12 type situations.
0: So then the opportunity came to be the senior associate and then at the big 12 and then you were eventually the commissioner. Um, when you first started then what that obviously you couldn't pass that opportunity up. So, you know, what were you thinking then? Like, Hey, here I'm at the big 12. What what are the things we're going to accomplish there?
1: Um, Well, first of all, I started in in the OVC and this is a, this is a compliment to the OVC and Jim Delaney's path previously. Um, at 37, I was interviewed when the big 12 was first formed. Um, I was starting to get recruited, you know, for those positions, but there became a separation between the BCS and the, and the FCS now, you know, one double a at the time that was not there when I, when Delaney left to go to the big 10. It became more and more of a separation of designation. Postseason was moved from you know not just being uh, in football, not just being uh, uh, bowl games. You know they they created the alliance and then the BCS and all that. Um, so nonetheless, I was being interviewed. And I got interviewed in summer of two thousand two. I was a finalist at the, with the SEC, um, and uh, then uh, because of that move with Slive, you know Slive got that job, Mike Slive, and then. Uh, Britton Vanoski, who was the deputy for, or, you know, senior associate at the Big 12, left to take Mike Slides' job at Conference USA, and then my friend Kevin Weiberg, up, hearkening all the way back to my days at mm-hmm. Wichita State, um, asked me to come be the senior associate, and uh, uh, there was an attraction there, and I started getting feedback that if you ever want to get in one of these BCS jobs, you're going to need to work at the BCS level first. So I was weighing that with my you know, my satisfaction and, and really a great situation of the Ohio Valley and being the lead person and um, having a level that, you know, of, of, and working with people I really enjoyed working with um, and decided to go ahead and, and take that position. Um, and then Kevin ended up figuring out soon that it's hard to make those guys all play nicely in the same sandbox at the Big 12. The Big 12 is a unique conference that was formed for marketing purposes and maybe not as connected otherwise. And then when he left, um, they tapped me on the shoulder and, and he was, you know, because of his departure, you know, there was caution about that league, but I had a a view that I could help put it all together for them. And of course that didn't turn out (laughs) as well. When we started to have people that left the conference in, in 2010, we held it together in 2010. There's been stories written about that, about how, you know, the big 12 was held together and i got the television people to hold the same money and all that and then 2011 rolled along. we had a billion dollar deal with fox we negotiated and and but there was still some big angst with tech between especially between texas and texas a&m that <clears throat> led to turmoil then and finally i parted ways with them in, in that time um but uh, but the ohio valley was a great platform um for i guess i would say getting the scar tissue at a level that isn't maybe as intense still can make mistakes but and and have to pay for those mistakes but you know i think that kind of experience what paid dividends for a lot of us that you know tim weiser went on became ad at kansas state eventually after colorado state and eastern michigan you know my path um, jim delaney's path you know that there there was a lot that we learned from being in the ohio valley and working with people in that than those institutions.
0: Sometimes I, I ask Jim this too, you know, what the challenges are at the OVC, they may be different to bigger conferences, but then you have different challenges, obviously, right? So it's not, maybe it's a, a yin and yang, a, a reverse of, uh, it's not always better, it's just something, it's just different, what you said with the, with the exposure.
1: Yeah, no question, you get, I mean, the resource availability to you at the higher conferences makes some of that, those tasks easier. You know because at the at the ohio valley you had to figure out how to do things sometimes with depending on the period of time and the state of of uh funding uh for higher education generally and so forth you had to do some things with baling wire and bubble gum you know that like i said i carried in boxes to the tournament um, i never you know people would look down on me if i did that at the big 12 level um so there's a humbleness that I think you need to learn and understand when you're uh, at the Ohio Valley Conference level that I think also benefits someone when they go to a, a big 10, a big 12. Um, and uh, cutting your teeth at the Ohio Valley Conference level with good honorable people that understand that you're gonna maybe not get everything right all the time helps you when you prepare you for when you go to the higher level. So um, <clears throat> so yeah, there's, there different problems, different packages of problems um, that come with each situation. It does it it is somewhat relieving some sometimes when you say, oh, we have this. Well, take the expansion level. You know, I'm going to hire this group to explore and evaluate all these institutions. When Ohio Valley, you you don't have the resources to do that. You got to do it on your own. And that was before Google and before all the other things that you can just look up, you know. So um, so there is an ability to to uh, do those things at the high valley conference level and at least at the time I was there there wasn't you didn't have the, the the ability to have a limited specialty right you had to have a number of different things that you did which I think is sometimes lost in what we do now I mean every like I said all hands on deck you know when you get to the higher levels Person X is in charge of this specific task and duty, and that's all they really do. And person Y is in charge of this one. And, and in Ohio Valley, you might have person A doing three of those things. In the Big 12, you have five people doing individual tasks related to that situation. And I think it makes for a broader, you know, perspective when you get to work at Ohio Valley conference level. Um, And I think that's a good preparation for going
0: forward. I wrote this down on prep and you've actually referenced it twice, but um, making schools with different priorities work together is important, obviously, as being a commissioner, but it's not always, you're not always popular as commissioner, right? Because your decisions may impact people differently. Is that the hardest part of being a commissioner is, is managing, you know, different expectations from different schools?
1: Well, i think it's one of the hard parts um yeah and i think sometimes you got to be a mediator because you do have institutions that have different um uh different philosophies and things um i don't think you know you you got to have principles and and not and be committed not to compromise them i think you start to lose it's kind of like in the games themselves coaches that i learned this you know that coaches were always suspicious if they felt like an official was caving into their opponent or themselves, even if they thought they, if they thought, well, I can push this official to officiate the game in a certain manner. What are they doing for others? You know, they were more respectful of someone that stood by, you know, the rules and all that kind of stuff. And I I think it's the same thing for any positions really. Um, And it's, it's, it's hard because you get a lot of pressure to uh, do things differently for different people. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to stay committed to your, principles, your values, what the rules are, um, and that comes with a lot of criticism that can be fired at you for, you know, um, and I always said we worked in a profession, whether it's coaching or, you know, uh, administration on campus or commissioners where everybody knows how to do our jobs better than we do. <laughs> so, you know, if you're running an insurance company in uh, Mayfield, Kentucky, you know, You may know your insurance world well and have done well and profited well, but you sure the heck know how to coach the Murray State team or you know how to run the conference or you know how to officiate. In fact, when I was a young brash commissioner, I got kind of tired of hearing in these smaller crowds, you know, that we had the criticism of officiating of course you could hear your name BB. where'd you get these officials they're Mm -hmm. terrible. So I started to kind of walk up to people that said that and say well why don't you. Why don't you show up to camp and try to become an official? You can make a difference. And, of course, they didn't want to hear that at all. They didn't want to <laughs> be one. They just wanted to criticize those that they thought weren't making the right calls. So um, that was probably something I wouldn't do otherwise. <laughs> but I thought, you know,
0: exactly. I, I really like that. I, I think maybe yeah. we need more of that. L- last question before we talk about what you're doing now. Obviously, social media has changed the way people criticize commissioners and, and people in athletics. A little bit too, but um, how did what was your how did you deal with the media during your tenure at the OVC and then at the Big Twelve? What kind of relationship did you have generally with with media people?
1: Yeah, I think you could talk about this to your you know to those that covered us then or covered me in the Big Twelve. Um, I felt really good about my relationship with them. Um, again, I think it comes from a place of being honest and true to your values, and also not trying to snow them about something. Um, because, you know, and, and look, I, it's somewhat similar to my investigative days. Just tell me what you know, tell me when you don't know, or tell me when you can't tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I tried to carry out with the media. Here's what I can tell you. Here's what I can't tell you. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to, they would ask tough questions. And I would say, that's a great question. I'm not going to be able to answer that at this time. Or I'm not choo- I'm not going to answer it because it's something that we're trying to process in the league, and I'm not going to have that process corrupted by having public information about it. So I think media respected that. Not everybody. I had, there there were some that wrote some pretty derogatory things, and you know um, I remember when I was in competition for the Big Twelve, and there was a, a Murphy's. I mean the the Murphy'sboro Press was always hot after me because they felt like I was unfair to Poor Middle Tennessee State, and um, not only that, they they had an NCA investigation. They they felt like I was you know behind that too. And this one media person down there wrote in the Murfreesboro paper that you know please go Big Twelve, please take Dan Beebe. <laughs> so, so you you got to have some thick skin in dealing with that stuff, and it's and it's tough. And I got booed in front of some folks with my little kids around, and hmm. you know th- those are. Those are tough times when those things happen. but um, but back to the media, I think uh, it's it's just important to treat people like you in, like I want to be treated. I want the straight scoop. And you know I think I see I saw people get in trouble with media when they tried to um, uh, f- try to fool them about what was really going on or, or misdirect them or something like that. That just, when I as an investigator and as an investigative reporter or just a reporter generally, I think the mind, oh, I smell something going on here and I'm going to dig more to figure it out. And they still may try to figure it out if I said, great question, I'm not going to answer it now because we need to keep the process private or, or that's just not something I'm, I'm going to speak about until it's, until it's ready to be talked about.
0: Well, we'll end with this. You've moved back to your home state. Tell our audience uh, what you uh, have been doing recently.
1: Um, I got into when I left the Big 12. Something's always intrigued me as a former student athlete um, and just, you know, with with other things in my experience is the human relations interactions and human relations risks and allegations of misconduct, um, you know, sexual harassment, Discrimination based on race, religion, uh, uh, coaching that went too far. Um, we, you know, back in my day, they could do a lot more that wasn't right um, than than they can do now. So, um, I got introduced while I was at the Big Twelve to a young lawyer who uh, was working in this field. We talked about the application of it to college sports, and so I got into the what I what I termed as human relations risk management. So we work with university athletics departments in trying to help them prevent uh, misconduct issues um, by assessing their, you know, what their situation is related to what people on campus are responding to allegations of misconduct, whether it's a Title IX office, student affairs, general counsel, you know, any of the human resources um, and uh, their policies and procedures. And we always find gaps that are going to put them at risk. So we're risk managers, really, human relations risk management. And then we, we come back if they want us to and train their athletics program on, um, you know, what kind of conduct gets you across the line. In a lot of places, it is also involves, um, uh, where do you go, what do you do to report something? So we launched this right at the time of Jerry's, right after Jerry Sandusky case. Sad, horrible situation. But what the investigation revealed is all the way back into 1998, a custodian walked in on Jerry Sandusky in the shower with a boy. And the testimony of that custodian and fellow custodians he told about that experience was, we didn't know what to do. We weren't gonna take on Penn State football. Who are they gonna trust? Who are they gonna believe? And that story I've seen come up over and over again. And, you know, outside of athletics, the Me Too movement, you heard those kind of stories. Those people in most vulnerable positions, whether it's student athletes or employees, often might know something and um, they're too afraid to come forward or they don't know where to go. And so we try to help unearth that. Then when I moved back here to Washington State, I started doing a little bit of this consulting with uh, school districts, but I do it more on the, I dusted off my investigation uh, uh, Skills which um, I really enjoyed doing back in the day, and so I've done school district investigations up here for teachers or others that get out of, you know, they're accused of doing misconduct issues. And then I also did some work with the U.S. Olympics on these same kind of issues too. So um, I have enough time now that I can uh, to, to hit a number of bad golf shots with my buddies at the at the club and um, and see my family who are all here in my hometown of Walla Walla, Washington. So. After 40 years of being gone, it was good to return to a, you know, I lived in major cities, but I'm now in a smaller town and, you know, I can get everywhere here in mm. 10 minutes. You give up something. I loved the city life when I was in these various towns. Nashville was, I mean, that's the place I spent the most time in my life is the 13 years I spent in Nashville. And that was a great, great experience there, great people there to, to be with um, and in that whole region. Um, but it's good to be back here in the Northwest. I do some snow skiing, I do some golfing, and, um, and otherwise just lie about my past. I was well, a, now I'll, I'll claim I was an All-American football player because I don't think there's video evidence or anything else to, <laughs> to, to, to prove otherwise.
0: Well, you were part of the you were at the OVC when they celebrated their 50th anniversary. We're now to the 75th. I don't want to date you or how old anybody is, but uh, we just appreciate your time and sharing some of these stories as we celebrate this year. So, uh, thanks so much for taking the time, Dan.
1: Well, I'm honored and thank you, and look forward to uh, the result of
0: all this. That concludes my conversation with Dan Beebe. He had some really good stories to tell. You can definitely tell why people liked him so much, and I had a lot of fun interviewing. him. Dan is the second of our three former OVC commissioners we will have on the podcast as part of our 75th anniversary series. We're excited to have them as well as other former coaches, players, and administrators during this year. Remember to find us on your favorite podcast platform and like, and subscribe to help spread the word. You can also visit ovcsports.com slash podcast for more information until next time. Take care.